0: You've discovered TalkZone.com. TalkZone.com, the best in Internet
1: talk radio.
2: And now,
0: back to David Spada and Elliot Harris for more sports and torts on TalkZone.com.
2: Elliot, let's get right to our next guest. He was a seven-time NBA All-Star. He was a 1963 Coach of the Year. He played for the New York Knickerbockers. I think that's what they called them back then, not played the back Knicks. When, yes, they did. In the Detroit Pistons, Harry Gallatin. How you doing, Harry? Oh, just fine. So, are you watching the golf, or are you are just resting right now?
1: Oh, I'm going to watch the golf. Uh, you know, I was the golf coach for about 20 years after my basketball career.
2: Where were you the golf coach at?
1: SIU Edwardsville.
2: Oh, okay. How did your teams do down there?
1: Uh, pretty good. Uh, we qualified for the NCAA Division II tournament for about seventeen out of twenty years.
0: What happened those three years that you didn't?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bad coaching? That's that's not a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I I would like to defer.
0: Okay. Now, when did you take up golf? I assume that basketball was your primary sport.
1: Well, actually, uh, I was the uh, AD here at the university. Uh, Edwardsville, which is about 14,000 students, and uh, I initiated the program here, uh, started basketball and three other sports, and uh, it wasn't too long before I decided that uh, maybe basketball wasn't for me anymore after all the years that I played, and the opportunity for golf came up, and it's always been a sport that I love, and uh, so I kind of switched From a big ball to a small ball.
0: Now, tall guys usually have trouble golfing. How how are you as a golfer?
1: Oh, not bad. Uh, I could break eighty most of the time. I can't
0: now. Okay, is that the front nine or the back (laughs) nine? I'm kidding.
1: Yeah, I I hope so.
2: (laughs) How did you get the nickname the horse?
1: Well, I I guess it was because uh, you know I wanted the ball a little bit more than most, and uh, I played uh, you know the full time. Uh, there wasn't any time for me to relax because I'd love to play all out.
0: Now, rebounding seems to have been your specialty, although you could put the ball in the hoop, too. But 33 rebounds in a game for the Knicks, still a record today. That's pretty impressive.
1: Well, a lot of that, I think, was luck. and uh, But, you know, uh, rebounding is easy. Uh, you have to want the ball more than anyone else. And uh, if it takes a little... Uh, Oh, uh, elbowing to get there? Uh, it's whatever is necessary.
0: Now, what was it like going from uh, a small town in Illinois, not too far from St. Louis, to the big city of New York?
1: Oh, that was something because it was my first uh, airplane ride, and I was scared to death. And and just imagine a, a guy from a town of about uh, oh, a couple thousand going to New York City, and uh, with everything that goes on there, uh, I was (laughs) over my head for sure, but uh, I found that basketball is basketball, and uh, whether you play it here or you play it in New York City, it's still the same, and uh, it wasn't too long before I I found that uh, I could deal with that.
0: Now, did you have a teammate or two who would take you around New York and show you some of the spots and things like that?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I had a number of offers, especially from Al McGuire, who was the teammate of mine. And Al liked to get around quite a bit. And if uh, you remember, right, he uh, he uh, was from uh, Rockaway Beach, uh, he and Dick, uh, brothers. And uh, I did pal around with them quite a bit.
2: Were the fans in New York as tough on you guys back then as they are now?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think so. Uh, They just expect uh, you know, uh, an all-out effort every time that you play, and they respect if if you are are giving it everything you have, and even though you may not win all the time, uh, they just expect the effort.
2: What do you think about Dennis Rodman? There's a lot of controversy whether he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. They said all he did was rebound. He did nothing else. But you were a rebounder, but that's where you made your name also, but you could score a little. (laughs)
1: Well, there's no question he had uh, an awful lot of skill when it comes to rebounding, and uh, I really respected that. Uh, The only thing that that bothered me a little bit was his personal life, but uh, there's no question about his ability, and uh, he's going to be elected to the Hall of Fame, and I just hope that uh, during his uh, initiation speech that he... uh, Sort of backs up a little bit from some of his personal issues.
2: What do you think about Seth Sanders? I mean, his stats 14 points a game is the most he ever averaged, and he's going in. And I, I'm saying to myself, if Sanchez is going in, what's the controversy about Rodman?
1: <laughs> well, that's true, but Seth Sanders also made his contribution to basketball. Uh, he played with one of the best teams ever, uh, the uh, Celtics, of course. And uh, I think that uh, probably from a defensive standpoint, that uh, was one of the best players that's ever played. Uh, he played alongside probably the best defensive center in the game of basketball, Bill Russell. So uh, between those two, uh, it was pretty difficult to get anything easy on the Celtics.
0: Now, your Nick teams weren't championship caliber back back in the day. Did...
1: Well, uh, we played for the championship uh a couple of times we came within one, one basket, actually, that was controversial from winning the championship. So we were always uh, right up there in the eastern standings, and, and I thought that uh, we were competitive all the time. Uh, we had a, a great team and a lot of respect.
0: And back in the day when they would show the NBA on television, it was usually... The Knicks against somebody. I think they wanted to capture that New York television market. But you you guys got a lot of exposure in the early days of the NBA on
1: TV. Well, that's never changed. And uh, I always said and and still say that uh, going to New York and playing uh, playing there was uh, a great opportunity for me and – and I think a lot of the publicity that went on in the big city uh, helped me considerably in being elected to the Hall.
2: I saw a picture on the Internet of you with about five of your teammates doing a pyramid and some players jumping over you. Do you remember that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We had uh, a few hijinks now and then, uh, and I think most teams do. uh, And it keeps you loose, and uh, I think uh, probably respecting your teammates
2: and then you went to Detroit when they started that franchise, and then they had you going all over trying to get people to realize that basketball belonged to Detroit.
1: <laughs> well, that wasn't new for me because uh, when I coached for Ben Kerner here in St. Louis, I was out every summer selling tickets for Ben. So uh, selling in Detroit was, uh, was something that I was used to, and uh, so it uh, was, was a good experience for me.
0: Now, did the Pistons who were on the team in Fort Wayne, did they have an easier or difficult time adjusting to being in the big city of Detroit?
1: Well, uh, in some ways, uh, a difficult time. But, of course, uh, when you have a player like George Yardley, who led the, the league in scoring in the year that I played with him in uh, 1958, uh, you know, that was a great experience, and uh, and I'll always remember that, riding back and forth to the uh, games with George. And uh, having him uh, ha- have that kind of year, I always felt that, uh, I always told George, uh, you can't score without the ball, and uh, I've got to get it for you. Yeah.
0: Now, George was way ahead of his time. He was the first bald player that I can remember. Of course, he didn't have to shave his head.
1: <laughs> no, but he also done don't understand that George was a great competitor. And before every game, he had to go to the bathroom so that he could vomit. Jeez. <laughs>
2: you coached uh, the St. Louis Hawks in around 63. I was looking at the St. Louis Hawks coaches. It seemed like they had a lot of player coaches. I mean, they had Slater Martin in the late 50s coach him, And then they had Bob Pettit, like 62, and then you replaced Pettit. Was it hard replacing Pettit, having him still playing for you?
1: Oh, of course not. Uh, Bob Pettit is in my mind, one of the five best players that ever played the game of basketball. Uh, when it took, when you talk about effort, Bob Pettit is right there at the top. Uh, he not only uh, shot the first one, but he went for the second, the third, and he gave it everything he had. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, it's one of the most respected players in the league.
0: Now, if you had put Pettit in the New York market, can you imagine how big he would have been back in the day?
1: Uh, yes. I think that he would probably rival some of the New York Yankees in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and, of course, as I said, people in in New York uh, respect people who, who give out an all-out effort, and that's what it takes. So,
2: Why did you replace Pettit? Did Pettit not want to coach anymore? What happened back then?
1: No, I think that uh, Bob was a little reluctant to coach. I think Ben just convinced him that it might be a good thing for Bob to take over for a while until he could find someone else. And and I was very lucky. I had a a successful season, well, actually four seasons at SIU Carbondale. That's the big school, and we're the branch up here. So... uh, you know, it was it was something that uh, a great opportunity for me. I I hated to leave uh, S I U Carbondale, Walt Frazier School, but uh, it worked out great for me. Yeah,
0: now Carbondale is where kids go to party, and Edwardsville is where they go to study. Does that sound about accurate?
1: <laughs> have you been down in Southern Illinois lately? <laughs> Not it late. sounds like you know what's happening down well, there. Well,
0: uh, we but, have sources,
1: but also. Uh, you know they have a great athletic program down there. They've they've done uh, a great uh, remodeling job on their new on their arena. Uh, have a new football stadium, so uh, expect to uh, see SIU Carbondale back in the the headlines again. And uh, I'm sure Walt Frazier would like that too.
0: Now, at, you were an undersized center. You had to go up against uh, you know Red Kerr, Red Rocha, people like that. Who was your toughest opponent?
1: George Mikan. George was uh, tough. When he got down there in the, in the box, uh, you either fronted him. You couldn't play in back of him. Uh, that was, uh, you know, you were going any place to play in back of George. So we tried to double-team him as much as we possibly could. But uh, once he got the ball, this guy was uh, something else. Uh, as far as being dominant, Around the basket, Uh, I compare him to Wilt Chamberlain, and you know about uh, Wilt and what he did in the league.
0: Definitely. Now, what was it like working for Ben Kerner, the Hawks owner, who, who took the franchise from Milwaukee, brought it to St. Louis, which had never known the NBA?
1: Well, we could talk for a long, long time about coaching for Ben Kerner. Uh, a one of a kind uh, one of the original owners in the league of course and a lot of these guys uh, operated the franchise out of their vest pocket and i uh, i mean that sincerely uh, uh, it was uh, unbelievable when the league started and uh, i was i was lucky to be involved in that opportunity uh, and ben was uh, very cognizant of of what was going on on the team. In fact, after you coached a game or so, you had to go in and uh, talk to Ben about your substitutions and everything that you did, because he was critical of coaches especially, and uh, it wasn't uh, too long before generally he decided he wanted another coach.
0: Okay, What was it like to be in the first NBA All-Star game? Nowadays it's a big extravaganza. 1951, what was it like?
1: Well, it was, uh, I think most of the the players in the league at that time uh, really appreciated the opportunity of being able to make a living in basketball. That was almost unheard of. And to have an all star game uh, during the first years, uh, we all felt was something special. And uh, it wasn't, uh, you didn't get paid very much for it. I remember the check for the first uh, All-Star game in Boston being $25.
2: Who scored the first point? There's been a lot of debate. We had on uh, Dolph Shays, and he said he'd scored the first point, but then I heard on an All-Star cast, someone else's name come up. There's some debate there. Maybe it was Jack Twyman said he scored the first point. In the NBA All-Star game, they said uh, Dolph Shays this year.
1: <laughs> well, it would be one of those guys, uh, you know, talked about scoring the points because they did a lot of shooting during their <laughs> time in the league. So it uh, doesn't, uh, you know, I I understand what they're talking about because uh, they had sticky fingers.
2: We had Jack Twyman a couple weeks ago, and when we talked to him before the show, he goes... What are we going to talk about? I'm worried about talking for about 10 minutes. He stayed on with us for 40 minutes, and he was absolutely incredible. We had him on, and then Frank Ramsey came on, and he kept going. And he sent me a note the other day thanking <laughs> us for coming on, thanking me for having me on the show, and he really enjoyed and wishes he could listen to our show because he enjoyed talking about the old days. And he said, you guys actually liked being around players from other teams. You actually partied together.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I think that uh, there was that kind of, of uh – of effort by everyone in the league. As I said, we appreciated the opportunities, and uh, we talked to each other about our, our cities that we were playing in and that kind of thing. In fact, you know, basketball didn't move west of the Mississippi for quite a while. So, yeah, we were in a, a, a much cozier area, and I think that, that lends itself to uh, that happening.
0: So after all these years, are you still a Knicks fan?
1: Oh, yeah. You bet. In fact, uh, I went back. I was honored for being the player of the 50s for the Dicks, and uh, I really appreciated that, and that organization has been so great to me, uh, and I just can't say enough about uh, what the opportunity was for me and how I enjoyed playing for them.
2: We're going to have Bailey Howell coming on after the break. Do you have any stories about Bailey
1: Oh, yeah. Another guy that had sticky fingers, <laughs> but also a guy that got the ball back. Even if he shot it, he went to get it back. Uh, Bailey was one of the better rebounders that has never given credit for uh, his efforts. Uh, he was a great player. Uh, I see him all the time at the Hall of Fame at Springfield. And uh, he also likes golf. So he and I have uh, quite a Quite a, things to talk, a few things to talk about.
0: Who's the better golfer, you or he?
1: Uh, I'd have to say I probably am because I had a lot more experience in the game. Uh, but we used to play a scramble at the uh, Hall of Fame, and uh, I get to see an awful lot of other people, including Julius Irving. He loves the game. Uh, and uh, I think Michael Jordan is, uh, I think in the last, Years. I haven't gone in, what, one or two years. But uh, Michael Jordan is playing in the tournament, too. He loves golf. Did you ever golf with Michael? No, I haven't golfed with him, but uh, I can't afford to uh, play for a $1,000 oh. <laughs> a hole.
2: Thank you very much, Harry. It was a great talking to you. You're a class act, and congratulations on the Hall of
1: Fame. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you. Bye. When we come from, back from a break, we'll have on another Basketball Hall of Famer Bailey Howell. You're listening to Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com.